Welcome back to Total Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. Our special guest this week is a former Miss Delaware and a former Miss Black America. Brittany Lewis is on the show today. She's a well-spoken person, highly educated. I would absolutely recommend if you want to learn more about Miss Black America and learn more about the Miss America organization, you should stay tuned. And welcome to the show, Brittany. Oh, thanks for having me. Well, we we are so absolutely blessed to have a double title holder winner, a former Miss Delaware, a former Miss Black America. Um, it's totally an honor. Um, do you do you think that um, having the opportunity to win so, so many so many big titles has really helped you in your life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think obviously first and foremost, thinking about Miss America as one of the largest provider providers of scholarships for women has certainly come into use for me. You know, I've obtained more than thirty thousand dollars from the Miss America organization that went towards school. Congratulations. Um, I am a PhD. Thank you. Um, you know, I am a PhD student, so all of the money that I can get towards school, towards undergraduate loans is is extremely useful. Um and then of course the interviews. Um you know, I always say there's never, ever since I've been a part of the Miss America organization, there's never been a job or an opportunity that required an interview um, that I didn't get. And I think a lot of that has to do with my ability to um, engage with others from all different um, backgrounds, lifestyles, orientations, and still be able to connect with them um, and find common ground and, and be able to clearly articulate um, to others why they should hire me or choose me or why I would be great for a job. So I'm forever forever grateful um, for what the pageant world has offered me. Do you feel that the organization um, in the patent industry in general is very open to people of ethnicity? Um, do you feel do you, do you feel welcomed? As a person of color, yeah, I think um, I, that's tough, right? I know, so I know, I, the, I know. I, yeah, I, um, I have someone that I can really talk, are, so I wanted to, I wanted to ask a hard question. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, it's okay. Um, I do think they've become much more inclusive over the years. Um, obviously, I believe they've gotten, you know, they've got to the bandwagon very, very late. And we think about how late some of the um, African-American or queens of color have been crowned. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, once we think outside of an African-American space, and we start looking at, well, like, you know, in some of these predominant organizations, how many, you know, uh, Hispanic women have won or, you know, how many Asian women have won. And I think that we, again, we see room and area for more growth and for more diversity. Um, but of course, that's why I'm also a fan of, you know, specific pageants that cater to a specific identity. So, for example, the Miss Black America pageant, you know, I received a lot of um, critical pushback, especially from my hometown in a lot of ways where they're like, well, you went to Miss America. Why would you do Miss Black America? And I always say, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with um, us being a part of the predominant pageants. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with us also being a part of a pageant that allows us to you know, talk about our identity, our culture, our issues individually. And, you know, there are black pageants, there are Indian pageants, there are pageants for Hispanic women, there are pageants that really cater to everybody on their own identity, race, or ethnicity. And I think that that's okay. Well, I agree with you. I think that it's important that um, we don't um, mineralize anyone and allow you to express your individually. And if you feel that 
you need as as a person in as an African American that needs to have um, their own pageant. I think you should have your own pageant, and I think you should make that the best pageant possible. But I also want to definitely highlight you and and say that you know you don't have to. I mean, you're you're an absolutely delightful person. As just a short time we talking, you know, you're very educated. You know, you speak very well, so you would do very well just at a normal pageant. So. Yeah, I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, what? How did you get into pageants? Um, were you? Did you? Did you start doing dance or singing when you were younger, and then you got into it, or did you? Because it sounds like your education is your main goal. So you're doing it. You said specifically the way I took it. it you're doing. You're doing the American systems because you're getting college um, tuition out of it. So. Is it, was it because, oh, I'm going to do it, you know, when I'm older because I need this? Or were you doing pageants before that? Um, so, well, I have been dancing since I was little. Um, and there wasn't really a specific connection to pageants. I have a best friend who had competed in a local. And I, you know, it was my senior year of undergrad. And I went to school out of state. And I was only um, partially funded or half only half of my tuition was covered. And I still needed some additional um you know, additional monies to go towards um, any debt that I had from school. And, you know, someone said that that Miss America would be a great space to do that. So, yeah, I really did get started not so much as a quote-unquote pageant girl, but more so as a young lady that was looking for an opportunity to make some additional um, scholarship money. I know when I did my first local, there's so many unwritten rules to pageants that I didn't know. Um, but luckily, I still walked away with, you know, $1,000 for overall interview and another $1,000 um, for overall swimsuit. And it's kind of in those moments where I'm like, wow, I don't even have to win to obtain scholarship money. I don't even have to be that good. I just need to bring something to the table. Um, and at that point I was hooked because I'm like, this is a great, great and easy way for me to make some scholarship money. Um, and then of course, after that first pageant, someone in the audience said, Hey, you know, I think you got what it takes. Let me just show you a few different things, how to stand, put a little more makeup on, change the color of your outfit. And I think, you know, we have a winner. Um, and she really helped me, um, you know, continue to grow in the pageant industry, but, um, you know, also help me obtain additional scholarship money. Cause obviously I was getting money from, you know, interviews and things like that. But once you start winning and placing, then you start to obtain even more scholarship money. So. Oh yeah, of course. Do you find it, do you find this is the best way for a woman to, um, get scholarship money? Like, do you find like the, it's an equal trade off, you know, you, cause you still got to buy if, if someone doesn't, won't, buy it for you or donate it to you. you still got to buy a dress um you still got to buy an interview dress you, you know there are still some costs going into it is it do you still make more out of it than you put into it um i think it depends i think everybody's different you know when i did my first pageant i used i've been i've been doing dance so i used an old costume an old dance costume i used my prom dress um, I used an interview offer from my closet. Um, and, and of course, no, I didn't win. Um, but I did still leave with two grand. Um, so I say that to say that it's not impossible, especially on a local level, to still obtain some type of scholarship money with materials that you potentially already have in your closet. Now, when we're talking about the politics around winning, that's kind of a different story. Um, and I think it can be work and sake. If you put in the, the effort to try and fundraise, um, maybe if you don't have the means or if you don't have the funds, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, if you're, if you're in it to win it, you're going to have to invest. Um, and ideally the goal is that you're going to get double or triple the investment out when you're done, but it really depends. Everyone has a different walk, a different, you know, different financial background, different amount of time they can or cannot allocate to raising funds for pageantry. And some people just might not like pageantry, right? You know, I already liked the stage because I was used to dancing. So, you know, different strokes for different folks. Well, that's what I was, I guess I was getting to. So if, if you're already used to being on the stage and you have some of the pieces that would comprise a pageant, then if you're even remotely um, ready to, to do the interview and, and, and poised enough to do that, then you're, you're definitely an advocate to just go for it because you get, you get a couple dollars. If you have a couple of the components, you're not out anything. So it sounds like at least your first pageant was 100% win because you didn't, you weren't out anything. The Miss America organization in general is, um, you know, you, the, scho- the scholarship money is there and the entrance fee, right? So a lot of other pageants have these astronomical entrance fees. So, and, and a lot of the times they're not giving away the same amount of scholarship money. Um, the nice thing about Miss America is really it's just a, a small donation, $100 to, you know, Children's Miracle Network, which is going to a good cause. And if you get 10 people to give you $10, you have your entrance fee. Um, and then the rest is up to you to just win the scholarship money. So it's a much better trade off than some of the other organizations. You know, looking at it that way, you know, it definitely, the, the, the um, proposition to paying off your schooling um, definitely seems to be a great way for um, women to do that. So, I mean, I, if you put it in that context, if you, if you have a little bit of poise, you're used to being on stage and you have the, the dress components, then why, why not do it? So it sounds like you're right. So, you're you're in your you're already in college at this point. So you you didn't do any competitions um, in your high school years or in your junior high school years when it comes to. I did one local pageant when I was in sixth or seventh grade okay. in my little town in Brigantine, New Jersey. That was my first and last pageant until I was 21 years old and a senior in college, an undergrad. Did you just get like a bad taste or it wasn't your thing at that point? Um, honestly, I, I don't know. I guess it just didn't really seem accessible. You know, the idea of, you know, my only kind of interaction or understanding of pageantry at that time was what I saw on television and going to the Miss America parade as a child in Atlantic City. Um, but I didn't know. I'm like, this thing seems so far away. How do I join it? How do I become a part of it? You know, you don't realize actually this is rather accessible and you can actually just go online and register right here and, you know, compete in a pageant virtually, you know, several pageants are held all year long. So I guess, I mean, the short, the short way to say it is, is that if you just have any interest, you should at least try it. Would, would you say that you've built a lot of friends as well? I, absolutely. Um, you know, I always, some of my closest friends are through um, the pageant system. When I think about my relationship with like Ryan Richardson, um, you know, again, we met during my first state pageant. 
um, or thinking about, you know, I just left my Miss America's wedding. So I was just at Kira's wedding and, you know, thinking about that experience and having all the girls there. And you just become very, very grateful for the relationships that, you know, you build through the, you know, through the pageant industry and, and you continue to hold on to afterwards. And they're some of the best, most beautiful, brightest women on the planet. Well, I mean, to me, it sounds like then pageants are not negative in any way. So you, so the people that are naysayers, they really don't understand the, 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 the total, the idea of what a pageant is for. I mean, it sounds like totally for you, this has been a 100% positive. Um, doing the Miss America organization has, has allowed you to go and become a well-trained uh, young lady. You, you said you were working on your master's or your doctorate right now? My doctorate. Your, your doctorate. So do you think financially that you would be in the same same spot? I'm sure you would not be a, on the same footing right now, right? Um. Yeah. So luckily, my PhD is fully funded through the university. Um, Congratulations. I still have. Thank you. But I do still have undergraduate loans. So okay. the organization was definitely useful in taking care of those undergraduate loans. And of course, they rack up very quickly when you're going to school out of state. So yeah. um, very blessed. But yeah, in terms of um, my experience, just in general with pageants and why people should do them, um, I, I guess my response is why not? And, and what, what are the critiques of the naysayers, right? It depends on what their critiques are. If your critique is, hey, I'm never going to be feel comfortable in front of a large audience, um, you know, then yeah, maybe pageants aren't for you. I would still say, hey, give it a try. You might grow to love it. It might help you uh, learn and, and, and grow in a space where there are a whole bunch of other people watching. Um, but yeah, you know, to each his own. Some people... You know, some people recognize I'm never going to feel comfortable in that space, and, and that's just what it is, and I think that that's okay. Um, so it really depends on what the, I guess, what the complaints are, why the naysayers are against pageants. How do you describe, because I, I really want to give you an opportunity to talk about Miss Black America and being a national title holder, because I think that's really important, because that's a rare, that's a rare gem there, and I'd love for you to at least to speak a little bit, what's the difference between like the feeling of being a state title holder and a national title holder? What, what, what's that? What's that? Like, what are the roles and what are the responsibilities that are different? Or are they the same? Yeah, I would say they're pretty similar. Um, just of course, you know, as a national title holder, you have a much larger audience. So, you know, as Miss Delaware, I'm, very well known throughout the state of Delaware and I'm, you know, spending every day driving, you know, from the top to the bottom of the state doing Delaware based things, becoming um, very familiar with state politicians. Um, but I think when you're dealing with a national title holder, it's the same type of experience just on a on a national scale. So obviously the travel is much different. I'm not just getting in my car. I'm getting on airplanes <laughs> um, right. and I'm traveling all over the United States. So I think the fascinating part and probably the most exciting aspect of transitioning from a state to a national title holder would be the travel, right? Um, as exhausting as it is, it's also a great opportunity to see the rest of the United States. Did you feel that you made more of a difference being a state title holder um, than doing a national because you were able to build those um, relationships more? Because um, I don't know how you feel, but I, I always felt that um, – it takes time and and um, to build a really strong connection and to build that trust and 
you know, it's not something that just happens overnight. So, how, yeah, how do- I mean, I, I definitely believe that was the case in terms of building relationships um, with organizations, with politicians and things of that sort, because you see them regularly. You're around them. You're able to really build that rapport, whereas when you're traveling on a national level, you might only be somewhere for three days or a day. Um, and you're not, you're not going to continuously or repeatedly see the same people. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that's pretty accurate. Sure. So both experiences were positive then? Yes. Okay. And would you say that, um, that the state level was a good way to, to be prepared for a national level? Like you need, you definitely need to go through that state level, just like you need to go through that local and learn how to be... Absolutely. I think that there are certain things that you learn at, you know, at, during each stage of pageantry. And I think that, you know, I would be very fearful of the young lady who, for some reason, you know, went straight to a national title and really had national level obligations of traveling, right? Because, you know, the average person might be exhausted or get tired or just not want to deal, not want to go. But I think that you learn very on that there are so many young ladies who would love to be in your shoes. Mm-hmm. And it's, for, it's in those moments that you have to say, I'm not going to take this for granted. I might be exhausted, but I'm still going to put a smile on my face. I don't care if this is the hundredth time that I've been asked what my year is like. I'm going to smile and tell this person all about it regardless. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, that's an important part of pageantry that you that you have to learn, and uh, you don't want to take for granted. I just wanted to take one second from this great interview and talk about our sponsor of the week, Mid-Atlantic Video and Photography Productions. No matter if you're planning a wedding, a special event, or you just need an amazing headshot, they are the team to get the job done. You can reach out to them at 443-422-3830. Again, that's 443-422. Two, three eight three zero, or you can go just go right to their website at mavpp.com. Now let's get right back to the show and listen to this great interview, Miss Black America. How did how did you um how did you hear about the organization? So it was it two years after Miss Del- being Miss Delaware, right? Uh, or a year after Miss Delaware? Three, three, three years. I was okay. crowned technically Miss Delaware 2014, and then I was Miss Black America 2017. Yeah, 2017. Congratulations on both of them because you know winning a title in any fashion is great, but winning a national title is huge. So congratulations on that. Because... Thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah. So how did how did you hear about it? Because one, I think it's like we started off the conversation. It's really important that you have an organization that will support, you know, individual cultures. So it's, it, it's great that there's one there that's specifically, you know that you're not going to be jibbed based on your ethnicity and you know, you're going to be given a, a fair, sh- fair shot. So, um, we know. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, well, I found out about the, I had heard about it before. I wasn't sure if it was still operating. So I just did a quick Google search and come to find out they were still um, holding pageants. So I was very excited um, to participate for a few, for a number of reasons. So, you know, I am a PhD candidate and my research is based on Atlantic City. 
um, specifically oh. 1964 through 1980. And we know the pageant was started in Atlantic City in 1968 as a form of protest. So literally my research and my scholarship as an academic was going hand in hand with the pageant that I was interested in. So I thought it was a great way for me to um, not only continue to participate in pageantry, um, but to also have a more intimate look at something I was fascinated by in regards to my research, um, which of course is the experience of African-Americans in Atlantic City during that time period. And you can't possibly talk about um, Atlantic City in the 1960s, in the late 1960s, without talking about the role of that pageant. Okay. Well, I mean, you just gave me a huge education. So they no no and I, and I, I love to ha, I I love history so this is something very fascinating so one they have no correlation with the Miss American organization is that correct is from what you just said that they were a protest correct they were actually they were actually started as a form of protest because by 1968 the Miss America organization still did not have a state title holder that was an African-American woman. Wow. So it's 1968, and there is still not a single black woman that has said, I have touched foot on the Miss America stage. Um, so as a result, um, you know, Jay Morris Anderson, as well as the women competing, said, we're going to create our own pageant um, where we recognize that we are beautiful and that we are talented. You are. We don't need a mainstream pageant to recognize that in us. We can recognize and celebrate that amongst ourselves. Well, God bless her for doing that, and God bless her for having the courage, because I know I know for a fact that anyone who does something that's outside the norm gets the most criticism. So God bless her, and God bless everyone that, that really um, started that, because without that, you wouldn't have had the opportunity. So, you know, you, you need someone to be the brave um, person going out and being one to find the found something so yeah it was very controversial it's very interesting you see kind of they, they held it the exact same night as the miss america 1969 Ooh, pageant really Ooh. in atlantic city yep that's a poke all, all that's a, side of the boardwalk at the ritz carlton that's um, a poke so it was very very strategic and it got picked up by the uh television station as well so it, oh it she, got so, like, she got uh, a tv she got a tv do it wow yes it was very much so we will do this at the exact same time. And, you know, we're really taking a stand. And it's interesting because literally just two years later, they in 1970 is when they crowned the first black women to compete to compete uh, on the national level. And I would I would have to argue that without her being in their face, that that would have still not occurred for several years after that. Absolutely. It's interesting so. to think, you know, we don't get Vanessa Williams all the way until the 1980s. I know. And even then, if we're talking about the politics of aesthetic, you're talking about someone who's light-skinned, who has mm -hmm. who has green eyes. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's she has a very, very, very um, racially ambiguous or mixed aesthetic to an extent. So it's, <laughs> it's interesting that not only was a black woman not crowned until the 1980s, but the aesthetic of the black woman that was crowned um it's also very interesting to note it still felt it still fit into their their comfort level which is sh such a shame because um miss america should be the most diverse uh comparable educated most um out outspoken woman that can go into a room and just wow somebody just by just a able to talk to people and be able to form and really in, be, be able to go to Capitol Hill and influence every single politician. So, I mean, that's Absolutely. what I, that, I mean, when I, I don't think of the young lady as a color, I think of her as someone who's really, really 
confident and someone that can just go in there and wow. And and I don't think that that at this point, I hope we don't have that problem anymore because. Um, but it's really important that we highlight and we give um, we give the Miss Black America organization an opportunity to, to thrive too because we we also want to make sure that, that that we don't allow ourselves to go backwards because it is a perfect fact and you're 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 studying history so you know we are doomed to repeat ourselves if we do not learn from the past so we must continue to strive to do better yeah absolutely absolutely there was anything specifically that you focused um that you definitely wanted to um change or, or focus on when it was your year as miss black america um different from when i was competing in the miss america system or just in, ge- in general now that you had a national platform was there something that you really wanted to try and help and that you were focusing on? Yeah, I mean, I was, of course, continuing my work with domestic violence awareness. Um, I went to a ton of different events, held fundraisers with the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Um, But I also, of course, as Miss Black America, wanted to speak about black issues. And of course, you know, being a woman of color in a predominantly, um, you know, white white organization, historically white institution like Miss America, although there was more diversity when we competed, there wasn't a whole lot, right? Um, And of course, it was a bit taboo. This was the same time things were happening um, in Ferguson with Mike Brown. And I know, obviously, the tough part with the Miss America organization is that, you know, in order to qualify, in order to win the pageant, you have to be able to have a 10-minute political interview where they're asking you a series of very difficult, very potentially controversial questions, right? And they want to be able to see, does this girl have a brain? Can she put a sentence together? Um, You know, does she have opinions? And can she articulate those opinions in a way that isn't offensive? Um, but does take a clear stance on it and does back up that stance with some type of substantial data. And it's interesting that, you know, I always excelled in the interview portion. It's always been the best part of competition for me. I've always thoroughly enjoyed it. And I've always held very, very strong opinions. And of course, race would come up in those interviews. Um, But the second that you're crowned, you know, to talk about race, especially during such a polarizing time, um, was a bit taboo. And I think what is very exciting about, you know, an all-black pageant is that I don't have to be fearful and I don't have to be afraid to talk about issues that are related to race or related to the black community. And quite frankly, that is a part of my identity, regardless of whether potentially a sponsor, you know, has a different political opinion than me. The reality is when we're talking about, you know, people's lives and we're talking about the way in which race affects people's lives as a woman of color that's something that I experience every day so asking me as a title holder no matter what organization I'm in to then be silent about something that's one very important two that's personal um is very difficult and you don't have to worry about those type of things when you're in a an all-black organization and see that's where um having an all-black organization is so good and and you can push for change in the national organization and that you can make that so that eventually um with enough courage and push and effort they will not you won't have to be that way because the whole point eventually i hope you feel that that you are an equal in 100 in every single way because i hope you feel that 
the reason why that organization exists because like we addressed but if they if we if we finally meet all the requirements that you feel 100% equal and we can all play together i mean i i, I hope i hope that's the i mean the i think that would be the idea but i i i i also believe that you should highlight people of you know of individual race too you know because we we highlight you know be honest we highlight people of caucasian too much so um but it i think it's important to have i mean am i am i on the right way what you're thinking or 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 do you do you yeah i mean i think the goal is always certainly for uh you know miss america or miss usa one of these kind of huge pageant organizations that have been around for a while to have diverse and to be inclusive. Um, and I think, of course, that's ultimately the goal. But I, unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be a long time before that before that happens. And the reason why I say that is more of like a nuanced perspective. And I think I say that to say, um, yes, there are black women or women of color who are able to participate in these organizations. Um, but their ability to succeed and to obtain crowns exactly. is often based around still a European um, exactly. normalcy. So, and that's wrong. Okay, is this is this person truly different or is this or is this someone who is a person of color that has assimilated in a way that is very similar to the rest of the white contestants and what do i mean by that so i mean is her you know do you, are you crowning women with natural hair exactly. are you crowning dark skinned women are you crowning women who don't who have a different diction who maybe are engaging in african-american vernacular or are you only you know crowning women who sing opera who can talk about their handicap on the golf course um and who shy away from more controversial racial topics you know what i mean at what mm -hmm. what what is the standard by which we are crowning these women of color who is setting that standard are they just a black barbie are they very similar to the other contestants or are these women truly truly diverse and different and i think um until we see that um there's still going to be a need for um you know all black or all hispanic or all Indian, no and, uh, and i and i Brittany, i absolutely 100 percent agree with you with that um um i i really think that i feel as a as a white man I feel bad that my culture has influenced the black culture in America that that women that are black feel they have to put a wig on. I mean, if you love your hair and 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 you want to wear it natural, you should wear it natural. And I I hope that anyone who's listening to our show that is of African American descent and they wear a wig and they don't want to wear don't wear a wig. I mean, I I hope you feel that way too because like um you shouldn't hide something like if you love your hair, wear it the way wear the way it yeah. is, you know, the, the tough part with black women just historically. So it's interesting when I was an undergrad, my undergraduate research was actually around African-American and African-American women and what they choose to do with their hair. And so often it's not even a matter of like, oh, we don't like our hair. Or we don't want to wear our hair natural as much as it is, is like the number one complaint filed with the EEOC, the um, Equal Employment opportunity commission or something you know i can't yeah, think of you, you got it right no you got it right um <laughs> but the number one complaint filed by black women in the 1990s was discrimination by businesses around their hair 
So for example, if you were an airline stewardess, it was if you were braved, it was considered to be an ethnic hairstyle that was not appropriate in the workplace. Um, and I can't tell you how many countless stories I've heard of black women who, who have worn their natural hair. Perhaps they were a hostess at a restaurant or um, they were in some type of position of where they were being hired for their aesthetic. And if they changed their aesthetic or wore their natural hair, they were reprimanded. They were told they needed to straighten it. I know I could speak personally to my experiences in relation to that. So for example, um, you know, I cut all my hair off and went natural before because right now we're seeing this kind of natural, like black yes, women's natural hair revolution where yes. a lot more women are wearing their natural hair. Um, but I did it before this revolution even happened, right? Um, and I was on my dance team's um, – I was on my university's dance team, and I remember I cut all my hair off. I wore it in a short, natural fro, and the first thing that my coach said was, you need to put some chemical in that. I don't know what you just did. Um, basically saying, like, you need to straighten your hair and put some extensions back in and get it together. I don't understand um, why people think that that's, that's not rude. Like, you just <laughs> – my, my, my thing is, like, like you, you think before you speak. Like, I, I – I, but it is just such a common thing. Even we're seeing now um, with locks, right? Um, so many businesses, the ability to um, discriminate or not hire someone based on locking their hair. And again, this is what I mean when I say like European standards of normalcy. So yes, we have different hair textures. Our hair is tightly coiled. Our hair naturally will lock. Um, whereas maybe our European counterparts, that's not the truth because the hair is much finer. And it's and it's not to say, you know, to each his own, but just recognizing that what is normal or for, in one community might not be normal in the other. And that's okay, you know, but to tell people, hey, you can't wear your hair the natural way that it grows out of your head um, because we don't deem it, you know, it's different from us and we don't deem it to be professional or beautiful. Again, who is setting, who is setting the standards of professionalism? Um, and what are those standards based on? Well, and, Brittany, I will make a pledge to you, and I hope. And <laughs> no, no, here, I, I, this is really important because I, I, I wanted to show how much I do not think that hair matters when it comes to making money because business is about making money and making customers happy. I will make a pledge to you. Whoever I hire of ethnicity, I will never criticize, judge them or require them to do anything to their hair and whoever i hire of ethnicity of any kind can wear their hair the only thing i ask is that you know just like any caucasian keep it clean you know don't don't not wash your hair you know but i will never judge and never ask them to put a wig on or ever put um relaxer in i would never well, do that's that that's a beautiful thing so i i, I take <laughs> i take the pledge and i hope any other business owner that's listening um, will please not be uh, someone that will judge other people for having different hair. Because um, if you if you choose to judge someone else, then they judge you back. So I don't like fingers being pointed back at me. So don't point fingers back at, at, at other people. So, so, well, see, these are the important things that are still issues that need to be. And that's just the perfect reason why you need to have a pageant that really highlights that and also gives you an opportunity to be the vocal point of your community. Did you feel um, that you were definitely one of the key um, speakers of your community? Did you feel that uh, obligation or responsibility? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think uh, the reality is uh, – 
as a national title holder and someone that is a national title holder for a particular um, group of people, there is a lot of pressure for you to make sure that you are um, being very thoughtful with the words that you speak. Absolutely. Do you think that um, going through that experience has definitely made you a better person? It, it sounds like it's definitely helped you from um, your schooling perspective because you were studying that. But do you think that overall, do you think you're a better person because of that? Of course. Um, I think through my time as Miss Black America, um, you learned quite a bit about patience. Um, it obviously gave me a ton of opportunities to discuss these types of topics, racial topics, um, topics related um, to the black community and, and to be heard. And I think it was very interesting for people to see why I would go from a Miss America pageant to an all black pageant and to be able to really articulate to them why I find them to be both equally important. Um, and I hope we get to a point where people wouldn't be shocked. Like, like it's just, it, it, you know, there are 50,000 pageants and that should be just another pageant. And, you know, you know, they shouldn't be shocked. It should, you know, yeah, they wouldn't be shocked if you would, if you did USA, you know, oh, you did USA. So happy for right. you. You know, you know, you did another pageant. This one just happens to be focused on, on your ethnicity. So, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm definitely going to raise my kids to not not try to see color and try to see the person who um inside you know we like i i really do believe that um children don't see color and we we brainwash them to see color so it's important to to keep them um in that state that you know everyone is equal and that everyone is given is given an opportunity so and i i hope that's yeah and i hope that's what you know what your 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 main goal was to that you want everyone you know as i'm sure i knowing you you have a big heart i i know you you don't want to you don't want to take things away from anyone you want you just want everyone to have an opportunity is that is that how you feel i don't want to speak for you but um i mean in regards to race i think the the most important thing that i would love for people to take away is the ability is is really to pick up a book and to read about things that they don't know and to read about people that they don't know in cultures. And I think the area, the area where there is the greatest disconnect is, um, you know, people not really understanding the historical plight of African-Americans and specifically like the systemic inequalities and barriers that were um, created um, and sanctioned uh, and executed by the U.S. government. Um, a lot of people think things are just coincidence or culture or habit, um, and, and they don't actually recognize that, you know, there were certain things you know, topics that I would love to see people read about that perhaps they haven't heard about um, would be like redlining, yes. um, thinking about the way in which we fund schools and thinking well, about how that's connected to redlining. Redlining is a huge redlining is a huge thing because um, until this day, you still, if you live in a black community, and you can't get a good loan because the houses that you're in are all um, un, you know, they weren't kept up because they never gave them enough money to fix them up. And they always they held them down, but people on the other side, they got good loans. They had money to to, to keep the properties well. So yeah, like I of course, and, and even to I, like I hate the, the red line to... laws. The, that I hate that so much. And the thing is, they still very much so affect us today in yes, so many they different do. ways. They affect the type of education that you get. They affect that where you are going to dump garbage, where 
there are garbage disposals where things are seeping into the earth that's affecting the water systems that's affecting predominantly black or brown communities. I mean, it's very much so um, systemic and cyclical. And I feel like most people are like, oh, this is in their heads. Race isn't, race isn't an issue anymore. It doesn't matter. And it's, you know, it's not even just a matter of like individual to kind of harbor um, this type of discrimination deep down in their hearts. But outside of like the individual day-to-day interactions, which certainly are there, um, it's the systemic things that were sanctioned by the U.S. government and the way in which race-based um, systems were written into law. No, you're and right. And how that still affects us today. Well, there are, um, so there I think are so many. A you're huge a, part of it. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right because there's so many things that our government allowed to happen in, right after World War II. Um, all that that growth out of the cities, dividing um, the, the really dividing the line. You know, anyone on this side of the town is is an Anglo-Saxon and they get good loans and they can have this community. And then when everybody on the other line is everything else and they get bad loans, they get high credit, all this kind of stuff. And then for you to jump that line, you'd have to overcome all of that. And, you know, overcome, overcome all of that is, is a very big thing. And then to be in a community where you're one, one culture of all Anglo-Saxons, that's not comfortable either, you know, and you're, and so. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Long history. No, no, (laughs) I know. And and see, and the problem with housing, the problem with housing is that, like you're saying, there, there may not be a lot of people in power that have ill will towards any culture, but because housing is not something you just clean and you get rid of every 20 years, we have this sedemic housing issue that is going to be with us for years and we basically need to rebuild the housing community to kind of eliminate what we drew up almost 70 years ago which is such a shame absolutely and don't get me started on the wealth disparities and oh i know i know i'm yeah (laughs) i know but like i really i really disdain the red laws so much so i'm with you on that way i definitely because it has it has also to do with with any any culture they just they for some reason they thought it was was in the best interest to have annual a annual saxons white people on one side which is you know that's not how you have a great culture a great culture is when you intermix everyone you know the greatest minds in the world are not are not just pure white people that they, they come from every quarter of the world so right and you've proven that look how smart you are so you know I just wanted to take one extra second and talk about our sponsor of the week, Mid-Atlantic Video and Photography Production. No matter if you're planning a wedding and you need a wedding videographer, you're doing a music video, or doing commercial, they are the team to get the job done. You can reach out to them at 443-422-3830. Again, that's 443-422-3830. Or you can go right to their website at MAV. PP.com. Now let's get right back to this great interview. All right, Brittany, I know this has been a really deep conversation and I really enjoy it, but it is the time of the show where you get to take over the show and tell us anything that's going on that's important that you want to highlight. So I know you're not doing pageant right now, so you <laughs> might not have a public appearance, but maybe you have a girlfriend or a cololleague or a friend that you want to help out or a fundraiser that's important to you. So go ahead and yeah, take, take a show. 
Um, so I think the most important thing for me is, just, as always, raising awareness around domestic violence. So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So getting people to get involved, visiting your local um, or state uh, domestic violence shelter, or even on the national levels, the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, see what fundraisers they have going on, what events are happening, and asking people to participate. And of course, if people are interested in learning more about me, um, they can follow me via my website, Um, And of course, I'm asking to support um, the Miss Black America organization. Um, the support behind the current title holder, Ryan Richardson, would be great. She's phenomenal. She's a brilliant young lady. She was also a former Miss DC USA and has competed um, for several years in the Miss America organization. And she's doing big things right now. So although I'm not competing, I would love for my um, pageant sister to have the support as she continues during her reign. I would agree. She's a phenomenal person. Hopefully she'll be on the show one day. Absolutely. Well, if there's nothing else to promote, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on the show. And um, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day. Um, would you sum it up by saying that you would encourage um, young ladies to definitely do a pageant or go out there and, and cause, um, go for change in any way? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if I could give any advice to anyone listening right now, it would be don't be afraid. Sign up for that pageant. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain, whether that's a new friend that you make, whether that's a newfound love or appreciation for being on stage, whether that's the ability to really rein in and win an interview. Um, there's just so much to gain from pageantry. So, you know, put your fears aside and just say, hey, I'm going to give this a try. All right, Brittany, thank you so much for coming on the show. You're always a bright sunshine, sometimes in a dark day, so we appreciate you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on the show and giving us an opportunity to talk to you and learn more about you and Miss America Organization and especially the Miss Black America Organization. It is so important that we treat all cultures with respect and continue to strive to be equal and to give everyone an opportunity. And we really appreciate you going out there and being the voice and the face of that, um, of that strive to do that. And we really appreciate your, uh, your time on the show. Don't forget, everyone, this show drops every Thursday. So please subscribe to iTunes and on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. Tell us what we're doing right or wrong. And please stay tuned.